A home to call your own. An investment property. Two simple ways to provide amazing financial and emotional security for you and your family. It's often one of the biggest financial decisions you will ever have to make. Hello, I'm Christina and welcome to the School of Home Ownership. I love being part of a standard family, but I'm also a multi-property investor, having bought and sold over 50 properties in the last 25 years. During that time, I learned how to make my investments accelerate and how to avoid costly mistakes. Now I know how to reap the benefits of good property decisions. Allow me to take you on a journey that mines the golden nuggets of finance and property insights. Learn the ropes here within the walls of the School of Home Ownership. Hi, my name is Christina Jamison and welcome to the School of Home Ownership. We're currently doing a series called Advice Worth Its Weight in Gold. And today we have an architect, architect with us called Kevin Pham. Hi. So Kevin has been practicing architecture, if that's the word, for the last 15 years or so. And he's actually also a finalist in the St. George Local Business Awards. So congratulations for that. Thank you. So just briefly, um, give us a quick overview of um, where you started and how you got your a degree, I suppose. Um, hi, um, I study in the uh, um, bachelor and master in architecture in Singapore. Um, then after that, I moved to Australia to practice my architectures and I become a uh, registered architect in Sydney. So I have been practiced in Sydney for about seven, uh, so for about six years until now. Yeah, so um, I happen to renovate the building, the house, uh, for the resident in Sydney, and also to help the people with the NDIS, uh, with the disab disability, um, with the NDIS house. That's good. So it's actually, it's a husband and wife team. So um, we were having a little chat earlier about the differences between designing for uh, Singapore versus Sydney. Um, and I was quite interested to find out that housing in Singapore is quite different in the sense that a two hour light daylights um, was okay in Singapore and in the code whereas in Australia we have issues with our next door neighbours um, in terms of when they design their work how much light is actually allowed into our house so I found that quite interesting so I guess that's the challenge for an architect in Sydney um, to, to worry about. Now, if we go into, we've got an interesting couple of topics. We touched on the NDIS and specifically the, the special disability accommodation. We're also going to quickly touch on kitchen design. Now, there's a quick rule which we, we, we've come across and it's about, I don't know what it's the fancy word, three-point design. I'm not quite sure, but maybe you'd want to take us through how you actually design kitchens. Um, so when we design the kitchens, um, so the basic, um, the first priority um, of designing the kitchen is the three-point principle. Um, so three-point, the first point is the fridge and the other one is the sink and the oven. So the three-point have to be well connected 
in the context that the people use the kitchens functionally, and they can um, they can uh, cook very quickly and efficient in the limited space. So that's why we uh, really focus on the three point, the principle of three points when we design the kitchen. So when we talked about it, uh, I think we we drew a sketch. So we're looking at oven top, fridge, and sink. Is that the the basic yep. concept? Yeah. And they have and they're supposed to be equidistant from each other. Yeah, that's right. So when we design it, we have to optimize the three point in the um, reasonable space. Then the people can use the kitchens um, efficiently. And also, these um, three points here um, can give the people, you know, like the the most optimum space to cooking and set time for for the owner. Yes. Yeah. So what do you do if there's a really small kitchen, and you've only got one bench? You just have to put it all in there, or you would put a corner in, or how how would you do that? Yeah. So it's a normal size when you have the three point, but in the very specific context that we don't have enough space, then we have to squeeze everything into one linear, one linear line. That when have the kitchens and the cooker and the fridge at the same line. So I think that is the normal practice nowadays, especially for the small studio um, apartment. Um, in Sydney, yeah, in the uh, in the apartment building at the near the near the center, near the city center, um, then it should be okay. It should be like applying that only for the small area. But as an architect, we design we uh, for the kitchen for the normal building. We always base on the three point principle to design the properly kitchens. Yes, because yeah. the new thing at the moment is to put granny flats. So if you've got a house, you would put a granny flat, and I imagine they're quite small. That so a little bit of tweaking, you could probably put a little corner so that you do get that three point yeah, in the kitchen because right. it's a lot of open plan in, um, I guess you know, yeah, in the granny that's flats. Right. Yep. Thanks for that. And then so we're talking about um, another topic, which is the NDIS. Yeah. special disability accommodation. Now that is something that I've actually been quite interested in and I've been looking into it and it's quite difficult to sort of organise on your own. Um, there's people that do it in Queensland and uh, so forth but I find there's actually quite a bit of a shortage in um, Sydney because usually I know that in Queensland and other areas they can actually build it from scratch but we can actually convert properties um, in Sydney to become uh, SDA, Special mm. Disability Accommodation, um, for people. So, and you're involved with that. So how does that work? And it was, I was very curious to know about, we're talking about kitchens, say somebody with a wheelchair, how do you design so that it meets the code? And of course, people that you know, have wheelchair, that uh, live in a wheelchair, how they access the kitchen. Oh, yeah, sure. Um, NDIS scheme is very, um, a very interesting topic in uh, in Sydney uh, at the moment because we we not only to have the disabled people to have the proper uh, place to live and 
to uh, to live in in the space, but also it's an opportunity for the investor to invest in the NDS scheme. Um, so in when I designed the um, kitchen for the disabled people, so the most the the highest priority is have to think about how the people sitting in the wheelchair can use the kitchen as normal people. So where to design the kitchens that, for example, the sink, they have to reserve the space for the, for the wheelchair to slot in and they can use the sink as a normal when they sit in the wheelchair. So, and also the same design for uh, the oven, you also have to use the oven is the same, the same principle, you have to slot the wheelchair inside the kitchen bench and they can use that when they're sitting in the wheelchair. And so you'd also, um, that, I find that quite fascinating actually because we just take things for granted because um, things are, you know, are designed for able-bodied, average-sized um, height. So how do they reach cabinets? That's, uh, how do you design that? Because that would be quite difficult as well. Again, we take that for granted. Yeah, so we have to calculate the, um, the height of the cabinet that is suitable for the people sitting in the wheelchair that they can reach um, the stuff in the cabinet and they can get it by themselves when they sit in the wheelchair. So it means that we have to lower down the kitchens um, uh, as much as we can. So it comply with the code actually. So the code of design for the disabled people, they, um, the government have the guideline for the architect to follow. So they have the um, certain standard height for the cabinet and also standard height for the kitchens that we can base on for the design. Yeah, so can, we can base on the guideline and also we can base on our experience to design the suitable kitchens for the disabled people on the wheelchair. Okay, and what about, um, what about bathrooms? Um, so the bathroom, they have the, also have the special bathroom as well. So it's not like a normal bathroom that is very limited space. So we have to design the bathroom that accommodate for the wheelchair to go in. And they can turn the wheelchair in the bathroom to use a sink and to use a toilet for the disabled people. So we have to design, sometimes we have to design the, the bathroom even bigger than the bedroom. Oh, bigger than the bedroom? That's right. <laughs> okay. And, yeah, and, it's quite interesting point. Yeah. So toilet and kitchen is really important in the in in the NDIS house. Uh, to summarize, uh, the special disability accommodation I think is very important for a city to be inclusive, uh, and it it also provides investors an incentive to do it. And we just have to calculate the numbers to be able to convert properties to be able to host, uh, and that's where we need specialists like yourself, an architect that could do that as well. And I believe um, developers have been doing it with land. This land is scarce in Sydney, so it's good if we can work out ways of actually improving disability accommodation in Sydney. Yep, so in summary, we learnt about kitchens, we learnt about the three-point principle, if I'm correct, yep. and we also learnt about the possibility for investors investing in special disability accommodation with help from experts such as Kevin Pham. So thank you. And Kevin, if you want to find out more information from yourself, 
your name of your company is called LVA Architects. Yep. So, so we have a website will be attached on this. It's called LVA, LVA Architects. Yep. So another question for you, Kevin, uh, and this is for investors. How much as a guide would it cost to be able to convert a house? And is it possible to do that? Yeah, so um, I did the project in, um, in, uh, in Haymarket a uh, few months ago. So they want to convert the apartment, become the NDIS apartments for the disabled people. So they already have the plan and the kitchen. So we just renovate a little bit kitchens and also the toilet. So the cost is like roughly about, you know, 40 to 60,000. Yeah, forty to sixty thousand um, dollars to renovate the interiors only for the people for the NDS to use the apartment. Which is quite it's it's a quite um, reasonable cost. Initially, I thought it would be like hundreds of thousands of dollars. So I mean, it cost doesn't cost that much different really just to do a normal renovation. So mm. to renovate for a specialized um, disability, um, that it seems quite reasonable to me to myself anyway. Um, and of course, there is complications with um, the NDIS, so I'm not gonna speak on that. Um, and we'll get an NDIS expert to explain the rental returns and how, how that aspect of it works. Uh, but it's definitely worth it for a lot of people to be able to do that. <laughs>